Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Hi, Justin. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I wanted to get your thoughts about uh, just the energy sector as a whole. And provides unbiased answers. In the short to medium term, we're going to need oil and natural gas, and especially natural gas. Invest Talk. Over 31 million downloads and counting. I have been very much enjoying learning from you guys, and I have a question about buying stocks on warrant. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, April 15th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. I appreciate you all tuning in for this hour. And I'm going to do my best to make it useful for you in every way possible. And the way I do that is through our philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. That's our mission statement, and that's my assurance that I am here to give you the facts as I see them using the data that I see in front of me and the perspective I have of over 20 years of investment experience. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. That's how you drive the show. That's how you help me make this show more impactful for each and every one of you. Not only will your calls benefit you directly, because your question's answered, but I guarantee you there's someone else out there with a similar question, and that's why I try to kind of make my answers broad, touch on different parts of the thought process that goes into making the decision, and even though you may not be asking that one particular uh, question that someone else calls in, hopefully I can broaden it out and give you some perspective that you can use elsewhere as well. And that's really the goal. It's not just to, you know, the old saying, you, you can give a man a fish and feed him for a day or teach him how to fish and feed him for a lifetime. Well, that's what we're here to do. We're here to not just give you recommendations. I know a lot of people want the easy way and they just want to buy and sell recommendations. But ultimately, it comes down to you making solid investment decisions, solid money decisions each and every day. And when you do that, over time, that adds up to financial freedom. And that's what we are here to do. Now, you can call and interact with us right now during our live stream program, 4 to 5 Pacific Time. Or you can leave a question on our Anytime Voice Bank, which... It's the same number, 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hey, Stephen Justin. So Sergio over here in Palm Springs area. Particular symbol, C-A-N-G, Kango Inc. It is a platform in China that connects dealerships with loans and banks. And I was just wondering to see uh, what your uh, head-on is on this one. All right, this is a China-based company that provides automotive transaction services. It might be like a Carvana of China. I'm not sure. I haven't, I haven't heard of this name. 
Now, they made $3.48 last year, but only supposed to make $0.46 cents this year and $0.54 cents next year. That's why the stock is now down 61% from its 52-week high, down to $6.86. Now, the issue, once again, as always with China, is how much can you really trust their, their numbers? They, they lie to some degree. It's just a matter of is it a little or is it a lot? And that's why it's hard for me to really get too excited about a lot of the China names, especially the ones that don't produce physical good. And so I'm going to pass on it. <laughs> I'm just going to say, no, you can find better businesses that are actually growing their earnings and has better corporate governance. Once we get our hands around regulation around these Chinese companies and getting the auditing uh, more above board, which there's political push for, but there's obviously political backlash from um, uh, the, these corporations and the, the powers that be. But uh, eventually, you'll get a more clarity on these type of names. But for right now, they're just not clear enough about the business, about management, about the future of the products that they're offering. So I'm certainly passing on it. Now, I'm sure you've been following the market. Uh, it's, it's been, been up and down, mainly up. And the question is, how do you navigate this rolling market? It's really what it is. It's, it's, it's going up, but also the underlying dynamics of the market are changing. Saw that today with gold kind of taking off and a continuation of the trend of value outperforming uh, growth. That yesterday was a big reversal. Today was a little snapback where growth did outperform, uh, but still remains in uh, a relative downtrend. And as this market rolls along, you're going to need information and effective strategies. So I encourage you to pick up the phone and give us a call at 888-989-CHART. Now, the S&P was up 45 points today, a little bit over 1%. You had earnings season kind of continue to kick off. Uh, this has been the, the week where uh, earnings has kick, is kicking off. And if you look at this morning, you had Bank of America Bank of America come out and that was weaker than expected. They were down about 3%. Taiwan Semiconductor, the largest now chip foundry in the world, that was weaker than expected. Citigroup a bit weaker than expected. Pepsi, that was about flat, nothing no real uh, news there. Rite Aid was down about 10%, so they had some uh, relatively poor earnings, at least the market reaction to it was poor. So these are kind of the bigger names. Uh, Delta Airlines, that one came out. That was worse than expected as a lot of people continue to, uh, to fly. But uh, obviously you're seeing the reactions to these earnings reports is that a lot of, the, a lot of it's priced in, frankly. And it'll be interesting to see where we come out at the end of this. Are we going to get close to the 24% year-over-year growth that's expected this quarter? Or is that too optimistic? Uh, but continue to grind higher. Fed's balance sheet continues to go higher. Liquidity remains strong. Uh, but we remain in a transitioning market. Let's just say that. If you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. And now your participation is vital to the mix on this show. And that's why we're taking your calls live at 888 99 chart. 
look at the calendar. We're already moving through the second quarter. The market has been interesting, and serious investors need to bring their best game. Invest Talk is here to help. The phone lines are open. 888-99 chart. And when you download the free Invest Talk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. Let's head over to New York and talk with Ruth. She's looking at S&P Global. Do you own it or you're looking to buy it? Um, I, yes, I'm looking to buy it. And I actually have um, a couple of questions merged into one. Sure. I would like to know your thoughts on that as a good stock um, and a, like a safe stock to buy for a long term and a good price to enter. And also, in the everything seems to have, what well, like you've mentioned, um, the price kind of, built in with the uh, forward thought of the market. So mm-hmm. for stocks like um, SPGI and also something like Honeywell International, what would, if you're waiting for a pullback, what would kind of motivate a pullback on something on stocks like those? Well, there are various factors. Both of these would be relatively cyclical names. Now, the S&P, they're driving their revenue and their business from ratings, ratings of credit, corporate credit, typically. They're driving it from things like market data and uh, the fees they get from index funds, for example, S&P type indices. And, you know, they're, they're fairly diversified, but still focused on the financial services business. And if, say, for example, corporate credit dries up, the demand or the the willingness for investors to buy it, that means there will be less issues out there and they'll earn less fees rating those type of issues. So that's one example. Uh, Certainly their business is a bit more complex than that. It's only part of their business. But you really have to dig and understand what things can could drive drive that lower. Uh, and as more money is, goes into index funds and more people just simply index without any any uh, understanding or care about valuation, they're going to earn higher revenues. And that's why their business has done so consistently well and their margins remain consistent. So uh, it's a good business, especially if you see the indexing craze continue. And you know, in the near term, that's that's probably likely. So that's for, for S&P. Now, Honeywell is a different story. That's more industrial. It's economic activity. There, there are more broad considerations when it comes to Honeywell. Uh, but in general, these are going to go up and down with the overall market. The beta on S&P Global is 0.92, meaning it has about a 92% correlation with the overall market. Honeywell is 1.16, so uh, meaning it will go up about 16% more, down 16% more than the overall market fluctuations. Okay, So S&P would be more, SP Global would be safer, but I also think that it's probably a bit more overvalued than, say, a Honeywell. I wouldn't say it's drastically overvalued, but I would say a bit overvalued. Um, but both, I would say, are somewhat overvalued. So neither are, are to me, great buys at, the, at these levels, but both are, are good companies. So hopefully that gave you some perspective, Ruth, on what maybe could create a pullback in general. That's just going to be the market pulling back. 
and liquidity drying up and people becoming more in doubt about equity markets and the industrial markets as a whole when it comes to Honeywell. Thanks for the call. Now, my focus point today concerns the story. The new chairman of the SEC will have a crowded agenda. And we're going to go over some of the potential priorities that stem from the last year, really, of what's happened in the market post-COVID. Talk about the GameStop fallout, payment for order flow, fiduciary obligations, which has been in the work for a long period of time, crypto space, which is certainly hot right now. And we're going to discuss that story a little later on the podcast. But let's keep things moving. Here comes another caller question from our Invest Talk Voice Bank at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Jay from Chicago. First of all, thank you so much for a wonderful and educational show. I've learned a lot. Uh, I've been listening to the show for the last year or so. I have a question about the treasury yields increasing. Do you think it's a good idea to invest in a leveraged ETF such as TYO or TMV? They seem to increase in proportion to the treasury yield. So do you think this is a no-brainer or uh, am I missing something? Thanks, and looking forward to the answer on the show. Well, first, you have to always go back to the fact that leverage ETFs are for trading only, meaning you only want a short term time horizon on that trade playing out. The longer you hold it, the more it's going to kind of eat up your, your, uh, your positions, the cost of, of, that, of, of having that triple leverage on. There are inherent costs of that, as well as what's called tracking mirror. So understand that everyone out there, any leverage ETF, and TYO is an example of that. It's a direction shares ETF, seven to 10 year treasury bear three times. So it's going to move three times the level of the, the 10-year the treasury. So basically, IEF is going to be the proxy that you're going to probably look at there. And so when IEF goes down, this is going to go up three times, in, in, uh, levered three times, and vice versa. And you've seen that recently, where rates have dropped, IEF has rallied, or rallied and TYO has gone down about uh, 4 or 5%, which doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a pretty decent pullback for the treasury type of linked to security. So n- I, I honestly wouldn't use, I wouldn't play the treasury market. It's not interesting enough to me. Um, I do think treasury rates are going to move higher over time, but there are other factors in the short term that can create smaller pullbacks like you've seen here with treasury rates. So. I just wouldn't use these vehicles. I wouldn't really play the treasury market directly in that way. Now, you listen to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And with all the changes we see in the market, it's important to remember that during periods of market uncertainty, the task of building your own personal financial freedom must continue. And you can't afford to take your eye off the ball. And that's what I'm here to help you do. Keep it on it. Now, we're taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. For investors, the goal of achieving financial freedom requires unbiased information, strategic planning, and determination. Congratulations, you've found the podcast that is dedicated to helping you succeed. Invest Talk. Now, my focus point today concerns the story that the new chairman of the SEC will have a crowded agenda, and his name is 
is, where is it? Gensler. G. Gary Gensler. He's expected to be confirmed as the SEC exchange, I'm sorry, SEC commission, uh, sorry, the chairman of the SEC. There we go. <laughs> and there's a lot on his agenda from the events of the last year plus. And they're going to focus on a few areas. One is likely environmental, social, and governance. So ways that the SEC can help give greater transparency to how corporate actions may impact the climate. I think that's going to be a focus uh, of his that will give a little more understanding of maybe how green a company is operating. That's one part. Next will be GameStop and the fallout from that. What type of disclosures will they be for short sale? For example, one of the reasons that they targeted GameStop was the disclosure of how much was short. And they, that's a lot of information that you can give to kind of artificially drive the price up and, and create a, uh, a short squeeze and a gamma squeeze and all that. And that may be adjusted in some way. And then another aspect is the settlement period. We went from T plus three to T plus two a few years back. Now what that means is trade plus the number of days and for that money to settle. For example, if you have T plus three and you sell something today in the market, you're not going to have that money settle until Tuesday on T plus three. Today, it would settle on Monday. Well, they're going to look at moving that to tomorrow. So it's T plus one, so it would settle tomorrow instead. So that's going to be uh, a, a potential sticking point for the regulators to figure out, especially when you go, you're, you're starting to compare the market to fast execution that happens uh, in the crypto space, at least faster than T plus two. Uh, and I think there's some competitive aspects to that that they'll focus on. Then the Ar Archegos scandal with Credit Suisse and the, the family office. Uh, what was his name? Bill Wang. I forgot his, uh, how to pronounce his name. But lost billions. And Credit Suisse itself lost somewhere in the neighborhood of $10 billion because of the structure of trades that they had and the borrowing they had with some of the prime brokers. And there's probably going to be some more reporting requirements for family offices and maybe even registration. Right now, family offices don't have to be registered to trade. Okay, So that's a consideration. Payment for order flow. That's next. Robinhood, gamifying, investing. That's a, a hotly disputed area that a lot of people say, well, payment and order flow creates problems with best execution. And... That's an area that's going to be looked at. And then lastly, Bitcoin. I think uh, Bitcoin potential ETF and digital assets and uh, regulation around that space. This is a man who he created a framework around swaps, a regulatory framework. And so he has expertise on building f regulatory frameworks around new areas of finance. And certainly that will be one as well. And then actually lastly will be the the best interest regulation that's already been kind of being put in place by the SEC, uh, but expanding that into more areas of the financial services market where keeping the 
people that work within the industry up to the highest standard, which is best interest, not the broker standard where it's just your, your, your um, only standard is uh, to have the risk tolerance in mind, but that's, that's it. That's it. When you're a broker, when you're an advisor, you're a fiduciary, you're under the best interest regulation, you have to act in the best interest of your clients. So unifying the standard across the industry, I think, will be a priority as well. So pretty interesting, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Now, we're happy to take recorded questions or live calls on the Invest Talk Anytime Listen line at 888 chart So let's take a question right now from Texas. Hi, this is Nathan from Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, question about uh, real estate, the REITs, and a rocket mortgage really I showcases, I think, some true value and was curious on your opinion as uh, we go into a possibly a housing bust in a sense, but there still need need for housing across America. So curious on your thoughts as to rocket mortgage and the digital space as mortgages and insurance like lemonade and things of that nature from a technological standpoint and how technology still i think has a very good value piece as well thanks okay well you started off with reits uh, as an investment and reits in general tend to be uh, good investments now are we going to do a housing bust i will say not anytime soon it looks like regulators are pushing the mortgage and rent moratorium till the end of the year and likely further. It's a political football now. Nobody wants to crash the housing market, so they're going to be careful on allowing inventory to crowd out the market and make a, to create a bust. I don't think they'll do that. They will be careful not to create an 08 situation. And so I don't think there's going to be a huge bust anytime soon unless they make a big policy error. And I think they're going to be careful not to do that. So um, when it comes to rocket mortgage, though, you know, what is all that, you know, digitizing mortgages, insurance, et cetera, I think that's definitely a trend, uh, but it's not the end-all, be-all. All right, we're going to the final break, so give me a call at 888-99-CHART. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge, you should not put off the need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom that point in the future when your money your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to however serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts required to thoroughly understand market dynamics expert guidance will be essential the moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, 
You can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs. eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Hi, Justin or Steve. Uh, This is Marcy from Idaho again. I have been very much enjoying learning from you guys, and I have a question about buying stocks on warrant. I was looking at a stock, FTCV, and I see that it's also offered on warrant, FTCVW, and that's FinTech Acquisition Company. And I don't understand what the benefit would be of buying a stock on warrant. I also was wondering where you guys get most of your information as far as news or rumors. When you guys say buy the rumor and sell the news, where are your favorite resources to um, acquire that knowledge? Um, Wall Street Journal maybe being one and any others, websites uh, or papers you like to frequent for that information. Thank you so much for all the time you take for us people who don't know very much. Uh, Thanks. Bye. Well, great question and thank you for those kind words. Let me start off with what she was asking originally, which was about FTCV, probably .w, which is uh, the warrants. Now, this is very common in the SPAC world. There are warrants associated with the underlying security, and those warrants are uh, typically given to the sponsors, and that's how they make money. And, and 
the SPACs are issued at $10 a share. That's kind of their par value. And there are often warrants that trigger, that have a strike price above maybe $12, $13, $13.50. Uh, every warrant's a little bit different. How, how many warrants are granted or depending on the structure of the SPAC, they, they can be very complex. So, so understand that. Now, the value of a warrant is that you are buying, you're not buying the underlying, and you're paying a, you're, you're, it's, a warrant is basically a long-term call option on those shares. And so that's what really you're, you're doing there, is you're creating a leverage bet on the price of the underlying uh, stock, the underlying common stock, which in this case was FTCV. So that's the benefit of a warrant. Now, let's say the acquisition is poor and the market punishes the company for a poor acquisition. They over, overpaid for it, for example. Then they would, the stock price would go down. A lot of people would maybe redeem their, their SPAC shares at $10. And you know, the deal falls through. Maybe those SPACs are worthless because uh, they, they eventually don't find an acquisition. So those are the kind of risks that are involved. And remember, SPACs are, are fairly complex. Now, where do we get the rumors? And you know, I, I hate that that's just the kind of the saying, buy the rumors, sell the news. So there's no site where I say, oh, there's rumors. But it's, it's really the, the narrative is probably a better way to describe the rumor, okay? And the narrative meaning is, what's happening in the industry? Uh, it, what's the trend with that particular company? Are their margins expanding? Are they growing? Is there some product that's coming out uh, that, that, that they're planning to come out with? Apple's a good example. A lot of times there is a, a run-up in Apple into the announcement of an iPhone. And that's the rumor, and that the, room, the iPhone's going to come out and it's going to have a lower price or a bigger screen or have better features and it's going to increase its, its market share within the smartphone space. And that would be a type of rumor that Apple would rally on and then it would come out and maybe not be quite as good or uh, you know, expectations might be a little too high and it sells off on that. And so the, when you're reading about a rumor, it's just really understanding how the street, how the market is viewing the underlying business in the short to medium term? Is there more hype around it or is it fairly negative? And maybe the stock is declining because the rumor or the thought on the street is that their earnings are gonna be weak because of X, Y, and Z. And maybe they're not quite as weak and the, the stock can rally on that. So it can happen both ways. So it's really just understanding, reading articles. We, I, personally, I read the Financial Times. That's my main source of financial reading, but uh, others in our office, they read the Wall Street Journal. Uh, everyone has their own kind of resources. But really, it's just understanding how the street is starting to view that particular company. This is Invest Talk. We welcome live calls between 4 and 5 Pacific time each weekday. But now, we've got a question that came in earlier on 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. Love the show. My question is, I like to take a small amount of my portfolio and gamble with it. 95, 98% of my portfolio is in mutual funds, target date allocation, but a little bit of my money I like to play with. And a while ago, I invested in BKEP, uh, British Knight Energy Production, BKEP, and I bought it at like a buck, and now it's up to like 350 I bought it because the dividend was super duper high, 
And I'm just wondering, I didn't quite expect it to do as well as it did. Should I continue to invest or you have a thought about maybe I should get out while I'm doing pretty good? Thank you very much. All right. Well, this is Blue Knight Energy Partners, and this is a master limited partner. This is a limited partnership. Engaged in oil gathering, transportation, terminaling, and storage services in the U.S. It's not a very profitable name. It's been losing a lot of money. It did make money in 2020, but it's a very small company. It looks like, let me look at their debt levels. Yeah, they have a lot of debt, about $250 million in debt, and their market cap's only $132 million, and that's after rallying from a market cap as low uh, early 2020 of $30 million. So the market was pricing in that they were actually going to go bankrupt when, when market caps are that low and they have that much debt. The market's basically saying, oh, this company's probably going to go bankrupt, but they, they haven't so far. And if you look at their business, let's look at their underlying business, they still po- have positive free cash flow. But they did cut their dividend. So if you're looking at that dividend, it's still 5%, but it's not as high as it was before. If you look at their dividend payout just a few years ago, it was somewhere in the neighborhood of $0.14 per quarter, and it looks like it's down to $0.04 per quarter. So it's cut that dramatically. But this will likely go continue to go up as long as demand for oil and natural gas continues to rise, and we do think it will. So this is how I would play it. This has found support in this whole move since the fall of last year is really when it started to really take off from a buck fifty. Now we're at three dollars and eighteen cents. Even after this recent pullback, I would use the fifty-day moving average. Right now it's at two dollars and seventy-six cents. That's going to rise, going to continue to go up as the days go on and stays above that number. But I would use that as my out. If it drops below that, then that uptrend has probably changed. But it find, tends to find support there on this recent move, and I would continue to ride this recent move. This is Invest Talk. Let's make it three questions in a row, a triple play. This came in earlier from San Francisco. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Carlos from San Francisco. I have the questions about a stock, NVDA, NVIDIA. We'll let you get your thoughts on that. Appreciate all the hard work. Thank you. Bye. Uh, this is NVIDIA. This is a very hyped stock, and it's a very expensive stock. And the question is, can it continue to grow into its very, 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 very high price? And when I say that, I'm talking about enterprise value to revenues of 22 times, enterprise value to EBIT of 65 times, and enterprise value to EBIT of 80 times. I mean, this is just astronomically high. Now, it's a, it's a good business, and it has good cash flows. Good profits, hasn't really grown its profits over the past year or so, so that would worry me the most. But its return equity and, and profitability and balance sheet are rock solid. It's just the valuation is uh, nowhere close to any level of reasonability. And so our value is closer to $300 a share. Right now it's at 645 So you get me down 300 so thinking about it. 645, Eh, I'm going to pass on NVIDIA. Well, we're moving at a good clip, so let's make it four in a row and take a live call from Anthony in Fremont looking at XLE, the energy ETF. Yes. Hi, Justin. Um, So, yeah, so I do own this, and I was thinking of uh, adding to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I wanted to get your thoughts about uh, just the energy sector as a whole, uh, do you think that it's still got some trend going up, uh, or it'll continue to trend up, or that it's going to, um, you know, 
go back and forth with the, you know, with the COVID and the reopening, not really certain, you know, how, how much reopening and, you know, how much uh, people are going to go back to flying and cruising and all of that, uh, the travel side of it, that is. Uh, so I just wanted to get your thoughts on purchasing more at around this price range. Well, if you is this the the first question I would ask is is this your only exposure to the energy space? It is. Okay. And what percentage of your overall portfolio is it? Oh gosh, it's really low. Maybe okay. You know, maybe not not even one percent. Okay. Yeah. So you have definitely room for uh, upping that percentage, and I, I would say yes. And and there are other op- options. As well, you know, there's the O, is it OIH, I think it is. Yep, the OIH, which is the oil services space. So that might be a place to do a little bit of both and add that uh, to your portfolio to give you a little bit more diversity. Uh, but I, I like the, the oil space. A lot of it has to do with the fact that, hey, I don't care what type of green initiatives you want to implement in the short term or in the, even the long term. In the short to medium term, we're going to need oil and natural gas, and especially natural gas, as even if we transition onto electric cars over the next five to ten years in a, in a rapid fashion, that energy is still going to need to come from our electric grid, and the majority of our electricity is produced from natural gas. And so there's going to be a lot of demand there as well, as well as exporting it uh, across the world. So, uh, And there's been a lot of shutting in of wells as well as just scrapping a lot of new production development early to middle of last year. And that's really the big problem in that, that will be a problem this year and it's starting to become a problem. And so I think in the short to medium term, I'm still bullish on the oil and natural gas space. And that's why I do think this is a time to to add it, especially if it's only one less than 1% of your overall portfolio, you want to be upping your exposure, especially after this recent pullback. Thanks for the call, Anthony. Well, now that we are through the first quarter and moving closer to summer, I think it's worth t- uh, taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits of working with myself and Steve Peasley at our company, KPP Financial. I remind you that here on Invest Talk and at KPP, we operate the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, meaning we implement unbiased guidance, both on and off air, as well as practice parallel investing. We invest right alongside our clients. When we want to buy uh, for a particular strategy, say we want to buy Apple. We want to buy 3% of the overall portfolio. For, for everybody, we are just another name on that list. And we allocate 3% of Apple to our, our account as well. At the same price, at the same time, same day. That's how that parallel investing works. So I encourage you to take advantage of our free portfolio review assessment via telephone, Skype, or go to meetings, or you can send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. We'd love to help you. Next up, a caller from Los Angeles here on the phone now, and we'll take a question live in just a minute. There is good news for loyal InvestTalk listeners, their friends, and families. Steve and Justin have recorded a special bonus podcast. This free podcast is available for download anytime. 
Typically, each day and night, the Invest Talk call center receives more voicemail questions than Steve and Justin can fit into a live show format. So in the bonus program, caller questions will be played back from our voice bank and answered with brief, unbiased, and helpful responses. The first segment of the Rapid Fire Hour is hosted by Justin Klein, and Steve Peasley handles the second half. It's a fast-paced learning podcast for the average investor. It's free, so be sure to tell your friends. It can be downloaded now at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and investtalk.com. Look for Rapid Fire Hour. Let's talk with Christian in Los Angeles looking at DraftKings. Hey, Justin. appreciate uh, taking my call. Um, just wanted to thank you and Steve uh, it has, for the podcast. It's helped my brother and I out tremendously. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking into DraftKings. I want to be able to get into the online gambling space here. I'm mm-hmm. looking at either DraftKings or Penn National Gaming. Um, appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. DraftKings is a name that has been struggling recently on the chart, and I think its valuation is very stretched up here with a market cap in the neighborhood of $45 billion. And you look at last quarter, revenues are up 146%. That shouldn't be a shock because fourth quarter of last year, that's when uh, everything was kind of reopening, and they still lost 87 cents a share. They're still not making money, and that's my issue here is that even with growing revenues, all the sports leagues going full blast, I think it's just overdone. And I think it's actually a headwind for them, and it's the fact that nationally – just straight-up gambling on sports is becoming more of a thing. And DraftKings certainly is part of that, and they're going to play on that. But from a fantasy game perspective, I think that becomes less appealing when you can actually go and bet on a particular game almost anywhere. Uh, You're going to start to be live betting uh, at bats in baseball and free throws in basketball and uh, you know touchdown passes in in football etc. And I just see there's more competition from a betting perspective. And there's only so much money people are gambling. They're just finding different ways to do it. So I'm just not a fan of this, uh, especially at these valuations. And I need to get to some view that they may get to profitability anytime soon. And I'm not seeing that. So. I'm 100% passing on DraftKings. I'd be a bigger fan of Penn, but that's a question for later. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. So we're going into our last break. So give me a call at 888 99 chart. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey guys, this is Zach in North Carolina. I like the show. Thanks a lot for all you do. My company is privately held and has gone through three different acquisitions over the last six years, and we keep getting our 401ks rolled into new companies. My question is, if this happens again, which it seems imminent, 
should I roll my account into a Roth IRA or something like that as opposed to continuing to keep it in the company 401k that continues to move around? I appreciate the feedback. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. This is a great question, especially in today's world where there's a lot of consolidation in many industries. There are private equity companies coming in, buying private names, and uh, a lot of people find uh, this opportunity where their company is being purchased. They're still maintaining their job, but their 401k provider is changing. And sometimes that's just the case. It's the company isn't changing hands. It's just they're changing 401k providers. And these are opportunities to get that money out of the 401k into an IRA. And everybody should be taking advantage of this anytime they come across this possibility. I would say everybody, the vast majority of people. The only time I say it really isn't is if you are planning to retire at 55 because in a 401k you can take that money out penalty-free at 55 as opposed to an IRA, it's 59 and a half, but that's very few people that have that situation. If you don't plan to retire until after 59 and a half, that doesn't apply to you. So you should definitely take advantage of rolling that money into an IRA. Uh, now, you mentioned a Roth IRA. If you did that, all that money would be taxable income to you this year, and there could be a justification for that, but understand that that would be a tax consequence. But if you're rolling 401k money, standard 401k money into an IRA, there's no tax consequences for that. Now look at the clock. I can see we have time for at least one more question, and this one came in from Texas on 888-99-CHART. Hi, my name is Richard from Texas. I'm calling about Baker Hughes Company, ticker symbol BKR. It makes up a large portion of my portfolio, and I'm interested in reducing my position in it. I wanted to get your thoughts about whether or not you thought this would be a good time to do so, or if you think that it might have more room to continue to grow throughout the year. Thank you. I really enjoyed the podcast. Bye. All right. This is Baker Hughes Corporation. This is a merge between Baker Hughes and GE Oil and Gas back in 2017. And this is in the oil field services space. So this would be in something like the OIH that I mentioned before. And my issue with this is that if you run a quick comparison to the performance of Baker Hughes versus OIH, Baker Hughes is underperforming dramatically, dramatically, especially since November of last year in a stark downtrend compared to the OIH. And that's my problem. So I would be... Uh, normally, I would say I would I, I love the this space. I want to be adding to this space, the the oil and the gas and the oil services companies. But Baker Hughes has been drastically underperforming the space, and so that makes me say, yeah, I would definitely be looking to get out of Baker Hughes or reduce my position dramatically because of its just relative underperformance compared to the other names in the space. I hope that helped. And that's always something you should look at, is not just what the performance has been in relation to the market. A lot of times you'll see like RSI, and that will compare the performance of the, of the company to the overall market. That's less important to me than what's the performance to the overall space. Because if the other names in the space are doing well, and this is kind of languishing or going down, why? What's the problem? What's the underlying problem with the name that others in the space are doing well? Others in the space are thriving. And this one's kind of languishing and now in a downtrend over the past couple of months. 
So when you're looking at particular names, that's an important consideration. The market is signaling here that Baker Hughes is, its business prospects are not nearly as good as some of the others in the space. And so money is fleeing Baker Hughes and into others. And maybe that's just the underlying assets. You have to dig into why, but don't ignore that market message that it's giving you. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday shortly after the end of our live stream broadcast, which includes at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Get your free downloads anytime on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.